I'm Haley. And I'm Riley. And this is Movies Better, Yeah Right. A podcast where we see how our favorite YA reads and their adaptations stack up against each other. I'm a full-time writer, reader, and proud owner of four library cards. And I'm a never writer, sometimes reader, and avid movie watcher. We've been friends for six years and bond best over books and movies based off them. But instead of watching together and annoying everyone around us with our nonstop commentary, we've brought our hot takes here for you. So whether you read along, watch along, both or neither, join us as we work our way through the YA genre. Welcome back, everybody. This Hello. is our Heartstopper episode. And if that felt like deja vu, that's because this is the second time that we've done this. We watched season two of the show and read volume three of the book. So if you missed our first Heart Supper episode, you need to stop now <laughs> because we've done this already. <laughs> yes, backtrack a little so that you're not lost. Do you have a hot take? I have like a mediocre take on this. A mediocre? I had four hot takes. and then I'm I share them. My- I couldn't think of any. Okay. So my first, my main one that I picked as like my hot take is that I am fully Team Imogen, and I don't know how the tables have turned. (laughs) But I love her. I think she's perfect. I want everything good to happen to her. She's the best. And then I also had that I would die for Tao's mom. So my hot takes are more show-related at the moment, but his mom is just, like, the most perfect little person on the whole entire planet. The show really, like, fleshes out all the side characters in a way that makes them very lovable. Oh, yeah. Not that they're bad in the book. They're just not really on the page as much. Yeah, Imogen's not there. I don't think we ever meet Tao's family. Yeah. So it's fun to have the show, like, dive deeper into those parts. Especially knowing that the author, Alice Oseman, which we said last time, is the screenwriter for the show. Oh, yeah. So we can trust that that's, like, the universe. That part is really fun. It's not like, like today I was just reading an article about, like, Game of Thrones, and I didn't realize how much of the show was just, like, fully changed for, because the writers just felt like it and, like, how different the books are. I was like, oh, maybe I would like the books a lot because they seem a little less sexist. <laughs> yeah, so it's cool that she is so close to the show. It really feels like just an extension. I wanted to say what I saw doing research and didn't know last time we recorded that Alice uses both she, her, but also they, them pronouns. Amazing. Just so we know, Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Do you yeah. want to share your mediocre take too? My mediocre take is that I don't even know that it's a take. I just, last time we talked about these books, I said I didn't want to read any more of them. That was my hot take. But I was oh, like, yeah. I'm very satisfied with this like happily ever after. I don't need to know about the rest of the conflicts. My hot take is like that I don't, <laughs> I, I go back on what I said. I don't regret reading this next one because even though there's conflict in the book, this third book somehow Alice found a way to like I'm never doubting that Charlie and Nick are going to make it or are not like fully invested in each other even when there's like problems happening and conflicts going on it still felt very lovey-dovey and sweet and not like do you know that um how like romance books have there's like this arc that they go on and at the toward the end of the book there's like the dark night of the soul I think is what it's called where everything just goes to shit and it's horrible oh. I hate it. That just hasn't happened to these characters ever. Like, even when they're, like, having any sort of trouble, it's never, like, so extreme. It's very realistic in that, like, one of them notices and will ask, and then the other one will just be honest. It's very lovely. 
like Nick will be like, what's going on, Charlie? And Charlie's like, actually, this. I yeah. didn't think you noticed. And then Nick's like, of course I noticed. How can we help? True. So I was pleasantly surprised was basically my hot take because I was ready to be discounting this whole book and being like only one and two are canon in my head but (laughs) i love that we both went back on our takes because my previous one was very much i hate drama screw imogen she doesn't (laughs) need to be here and now i can't imagine a world without her she is so cute and nice what were your other two did you really have four Okay, so my other two were just different variations of these two. I'm realizing that reading them, it would be oh. that I would never leave Tao's house also. I love his mom so much and his room is perfect. And I would just stay there forever. And then Imogen is my favorite character as well. Okay, so you have... So you I just have kept having the same thoughts. Bigger takes. <laughs> yeah, but before we get into the book summary i want to say there's a slight trigger warning um Mm -hmm. this book goes into some more serious like mental health things um some self-harm and eating disorders we are definitely going to talk about it a little but if that's something you're not interested in listening to and want to do something a little lighter just pick some of our older episodes or wait for the next one and we'll talk about something else later but just wanted to give you guys a warning I feel like I maybe, not that I needed a warning, but was certainly not expecting. Like, yeah, I feel I like this book took a hard surprised. shift. Yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, no. Like, I thought we were here for fun times. Mm-hmm. So what I hadn't um, known or read was that in the, I think in Radio Silence, the one that features Charlie and Nick, I was looking at Goodreads, and I guess it's pretty clear in the description that um, Tori's brother, Charlie which we will get into eventually, has struggled with an eating disorder. So it's it was there in plain sight for me to know as a fact if I was just like looking at her other stuff. But I hadn't like mm-hmm. read anything else. So I was really surprised at the, the turn this book took. Yeah, definitely. I was surprised by it too. Just like the more serious self-harm he had in the past, which I guess is not something you bring up right away with people. But I was just like, oh no. But... We'll also be spoiling as we have, oh, yeah. as we do. It's a short book if you want to read. It's a graphic novel, so it's quick. So if you want to stop and read, you could literally do that and check back in in like 30 minutes. Yeah, you can definitely speed through. I found myself actually like reading it a few times because I noticed I would like read through the words and then I was like, oh my God, there's been pictures here this whole time. (laughs) So then I would like go back through and look at all the pictures. I found that my brain like can't do it at the same time. Um, I have the library book, and then I also, thanks to my mama, got a Barnes & Noble gift card for my birthday, so I bought all the books from Barnes & Noble, too. I had my phone ebook from the library. I can't picture that. Are the pictures just really tiny? No. It's like you get one page at a time. You're not getting, like, if you opened a book and got two, you're getting, like, one sheet of paper. Uh, And then we do, like, scroll... Or it takes up the whole... Like, my phone's really tiny. I just feel like I can't picture this. You can, like, zoom in, too, if you wanted to, like, see something closer. Okay. With our summary, I have just kind of, like, a short summary first. So I saw, like, online someone said, where there's a rainbow, there's bound to be a storm talking about this book. And I thought that seemed like a really good way to sum up, like, what kind of happens. Things are going really well with, like, Nick and Charlie and their friends, but... As with everything, and especially with like the challenges of coming out, they do have hardships. They just kind of go through it a little bit. But with the start of volume three, it goes through like Nick and Charlie's honeymoon phase. 
while they're dealing with like the outside pressures of coming out and others' opinion, Nick is kind of grappling with what he wants to do. So he had like a really wonderful experience in volume two, I think, of coming out to his mom. But he's pretty realistic with like the idea that that can't be the case with everyone. And he's finding it like harder than he thought to let other people know since it kind of like just got blurted out to his mom. He didn't really have to plan for it. But now that he's like planning for it, it's a little bit harder than he thought. And his brother is home for, I don't like a university break or something. I wasn't sure how he just like popped up. Yeah. And he's there for a while. I think it is a a college break. Anything though that's like school related because it's in the UK, I'm confused automatically by. I guess that's true. It was just weird that it was like a surprise. Like Nick didn't know his brother was going to be there. Where I think I've always known where my brother is at any given moment. Maybe if your brother was anything like this guy, you would take care not to know where he was. I guess that's true, yeah. So his brother is, like, not the kindest, and he finds out that Nick and Charlie are dating, and he makes super mean jokes about it. He's not warm or supportive. He's not like his mom. Um, And he doesn't really seem to believe in being bi and, like, is bullying Nick into just admitting he's gay, which is like a super ignorant view. And he like basically makes Nick feel like his mom told him. But then like Nick talked to his mom and she was like, no, like I would never tell anyone you didn't want to know, which he go like, mom. He went snooping and found a picture in Nick's room. Yeah, he was up so to no good. He's a snoop and he's a homophobic butthead. Yeah, so for, like, every good moment there is for Nick, he, like, gets kind of hit with, like, a person not being as supportive. In that same note, like, Charlie lets his parents know that he has a boyfriend and that it's Nick. And they kind of realize that, like, assuming Nick was straight, like, wasn't right of them to do in the first place. Like, they should be more open-minded, but they're still super supportive. And then they say, no more sleepovers and no hanky-panky is what his dad (laughs) says, which... Charlie and Tori are horrified by. I like that they kept that exact conversation in the show. I know, and they did it word for word. It was so funny. Now all the parents know, I guess, except Nick's dad, which we'll talk about more a little bit later. But which who knew he existed? I know. I thought. I don't know what I thought. Charlie, not anybody. No one knew. (laughs) Yeah, it's very confusing. Like some of the things Charlie and Nick choose not to like ask questions about is really wild. Nick's um, three best friends from the rugby team catch up to him and like apologize to him about not sticking up for him with Harry, who Harry, if you guys remember, is the guy that was like really bullying Charlie and was supposed to be friends with Nick, but just ended up being really like nasty and asking pretty homophobic questions and ultimately ends up with like Nick punching him over something he said. So these three friends feel really bad that they didn't like step in and they said they're not friends with Harry anymore and they hope Nick can like accept their apology. And he definitely does, but he's not quite ready to come out to them. You see like a little drawing of the three of them walking away being like, he would have told us if you hadn't like said they were good mates or whatever. So it like (laughs) seems like they already kind of know, but they just were waiting for Nick to feel comfortable to tell them, which is definitely the right thing to do. I think Mm -hmm. for the three of them, like just to apologize and then give it time right after that, Nick starts to feel bad that he hasn't like told his friends and that he's not telling more people. But Charlie says there's no rush. 
he's starting to kind of have his own anxieties of like coming out on top of like having these end of school exams. It's just a lot to deal with. And in them having like a little moment at school still, um, their rugby coach like walks in on them. And so like more and more people are just like finding out accidentally at this point, but she is super supportive and she makes Nick the captain of the rugby team and tells him that if he ever needs someone that she is there. Which I thought she was really sweet. Is it the same in the show where she has a wife? Yeah. Or is that just a show? I know, and they, like, recreated that, like, photo on her desk. Yeah, that was cute. In the graphic novel, there's, like, a drawing of her and her wife. Well, I I guess it's, like, a photo, but it's a drawing. (laughs) (laughs) And they make it a photo on the desk in the show. How do you? (laughs) I don't know. I think think we got it. (laughs) You guys get it? (laughs) I liked that um just like in the last book when Nick like realized that Darcy was who he like used to be friends with um the people thought he was dating wait is it Darcy or Tara which Tara? Oh, I think it's Tara. it's Tara he like sees this example of someone who's LGBTQ and happy and he's like starting to see how that could be him and so these little glimpses throughout of like here's his rugby coach who he had no idea that picture has been on her desk the whole time. Like, but it's once he's, it feels like once he's looking, he's yeah. like seeing all these examples of what he could be. Yeah. It seems like there's a really good support system like around them yeah. with like a few of the teachers and his friend group and Charlie's friends are like now his friends. Charlie is starting to get a little more worried that like Nick is going to face the same bullying he did. And he really wants to protect Nick as much as he can. But he's also finding that, like, being the center of attention again is bringing up a lot of past anxiety. And this is where he opens up about his mental health struggles. So if you have been listening and are, like, we're going along with it, but now we'll talk more about, like, the specifics of it. So if you even just wanted to skip ahead, that's an option, too. But Charlie tells Nick that he has been struggling with eating and feels like he needs to control things. And then also self-harm in the form of cutting, which... He said he's not doing so much anymore, but I think when the bullying was like really bad and even in some of the last two volumes, he was having more like suicidal thoughts as well. Mm. It all is like kind of coming back now. So even though things are going really well with Nick and Charlie, just like the environment they're in seems to be triggering a lot of like his past struggles. This is before Nick has noticed any food behavior, right? Like this is completely surprising to him. I think so, yeah. So I think this is what leads to Nick, like, paying attention more. Well, like, it is really upsetting for Nick to hear. They do promise to, like, tell each other when things are going on, and that way they can both be supported and also support each other, which will, like, ultimately make them stronger. So I thought they did really good communication here. And that kind of brings us to the end of the school year, which I feel like this book like has the majority of it takes place in Paris, but there is like a good chunk of like finishing up the school year and wrapping up those loose ends before they go on this school trip to Paris. And while they're there, Nick and Charlie are like exploring the city of love and they are getting more and more comfortable with themselves in doing that. Like coming out becomes less of like a big announcement to everyone and more about them just like being a couple in front of people. So they're like posting each other on Instagram more and like 
sitting separately if they feel like they need to and doing that kind of thing. So that is really nice. So they finally feel like they have kind of the space to explore. And while they're exploring themselves in Paris, Nick gives Charlie a little hickey. And it sparks lots of questions. Everyone is like, what is going on? Nick and Charlie being boys, don't think to cover it. And I think it's like Tara and Darcy and Al are like, why didn't you just tell us we we could have fixed this in two seconds? Like, how silly. But instead, he just wanders around all day with it on display and everyone starts gossiping. And then during a game of truth or dare that happens during Tara's birthday party, they ask who gave him the hickey and someone in particular, some very nosy person. Yeah, she like who, wouldn't let it go. She asked so many like she would ask one nosy question and then when that was like too nosy, she'd be like, Fine, here's another. Like she just had them on deck. Yeah, and everyone was like, Girl, like let it go. But then I think Nick was feeling more comfortable and was just like besides this one girl, like was a room that was like a safe space and yeah. like they're all friends. So he decides to admit that he's the one who gave Charlie the hickey and they kind of like gently announce that they're dating to this room full of like friends. Friends and one enemy. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) One weird girl who like can't let things go. And then Nick's father, who we mentioned a little before, but apparently Nick is half French and perfectly speaks French and his father lives in Paris. I'm realizing now that should have been my hot take. I could not believe that every single character was like, you speak French? Even Charlie had no clue that he spoke French. And he was like, yeah, my dad's French. And I was like, how has this never come up? Are you in French class? I don't understand. What you do French really well, like you're on the trip. It's very confusing. And has the mom like never mentioned like your dad called or anything? I don't think the dad ever calls actually. So I mean, this dad (laughs) He is not responding to any of Nick's phone calls. He, like, keeps missing him. In the book, they never even meet up. No. In the yeah. in the show, they do, which we'll talk about. But I think it's a theme of our podcast that fictional dads mostly often suck. Yeah, I've yet to meet one. Oh, George's dad we liked. Oh, yeah. What, one episode. Right in the beginning, we really yeah, had one started episode. off strong. Mm, maybe we like Rufus, too. Who's Rufus? Oh, and Gossip Girl? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the dads we've talked about. I don't feel any which way about Rufus, like book Rufus. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to judge show Rufus. Yeah. Yeah, I think George's dad is the only one that's been. He's our MVP of dads. Yeah, we'll see if he ever gets dethroned. But the dad just kind of stinks. Then volume three kind of ends where Nick and Charlie are more connected than ever. But Nick is really worried about Charlie's eating, though, because he had a few tough times during the Paris trip. And I think in the book, as well as the movie or the show, he faints from like Mm. not eating and drinking enough water. So despite them being like really connected and like maybe even saying I love you soon, they're both kind of figuring that part out still. Nick is really worried about Charlie's mental health. Yeah, he's like, often trying to get him to eat more or bring along snacks for him to have later or like he's trying to like navigate I think what his like his boundary or his role is allowed to be in in that like how much he can interfere yeah he's trying to I think 
make it clear that like he's noticing without being harsh or like yeah. drawing attention to it, which is a hard thing to do. Like, especially on a school trip where you're all mm-hmm. eating in front of each other the whole time. Like Nick is finding like more creative ways to point out that he knows Charlie isn't eating, but not embarrass him in like front of a big group of people asking it yeah i feel like based on how this one ended i haven't read volume four yet but i think that will continue mm-hmm. on a little bit and volume five is coming out in december oh really it's one of my only book facts because alice was doing press for the show as this book was coming out in the u.s so i could not for my life find anything like targeted to this book specifically for like any fun facts Oh, yeah. It's all very show-centric, but I do have... There are only going to be five volumes, so the fifth one that comes out in December is the last one. Um, Alice roughly planned the plot of all five of them in the beginning, and then only, like, goes into more detail at each chapter, and, like, only writes a few scenes in advance, but has, like, Mm -hmm. an understanding ahead of time of sort of the big, I guess, major points. I was wondering that because, like, for this book, for example, it was... Like the very first page shows that it's part four. And then I tried to like find what other parts were in this book, but I think the whole book is part four. I get so confused about the web comic versus the printed. Oh, is that why it says that? Because every all these books have like come out in different ways and they come out in the UK at different times and then they come out in the US at certain times and they're like all coming from the web comic. Not volume five, I guess, but I think up to at least volume three. These are all things that were previously published from. Uh, I see. Because I was, I was like, there's no other part. But then maybe that makes sense if she like listed out all the parts and what yeah. she wanted to be in each, and then did it that way. But I wonder like, how long it takes her to write them, or like how long to draw, or do you like write first and then draw? I'm assuming maybe I don't know. Yeah, I guess such a different way of working. Curious. Um, and this book won a. Goodreads choice award so it was very popular when it came out I love that I think people like when characters go somewhere else I love a trip I enjoyed this little jaunt to Paris I did too it was very fun and I really liked some of her drawings I mean of course they are (laughs) probably wasn't that hard to do but like the drawing of the like main area of the Louvre was like so spot on it was so satisfying to see them like recreate that exact like still on the show Oh, yeah. I think, like, visually, this is one of my favorite things to, like, read and then watch. The fact that they're so well-matched, just FYI for listeners, is going to make this movie summary a little bit weirder than usual. Um, I'm basically going to, like, talk about some differences in Nick and Charlie's story, and then we're just going to break down all of the side characters' little subplots because they really, like, take up more space in the show than they did even last season i felt like all of the side characters had like fully fleshed out arcs i'm are you done honking over there no we're not done we're not done (laughs) (laughs) Ah, queens okay so some differences in the show we've got a little conflict early on in just like inserted just because charlie's mom is like your grades are bad and so you're not allowed to see Nick anymore. So I forgot about this. There's like this whole, because in the first few episodes, they're not in Paris yet. They're like doing the exams or Nick's doing the exams Haley talked about. And then Charlie, who's younger than him, is just doing regular school. But he's so love struck that he's 
kind of distracted. He's not getting his usual grades. So they're like banned from hanging out and they have to like sneak to like the park <laughs> to like oh, see I think each other. so crazy. I thought the mom was suddenly like very bitchy and I was shocked <laughs> by it. She like barely spoke in the first season. The second season, she was like, I'm here to put my foot down and only that. And I totally understand like, yes, school is important and he does need to focus on that. But, like, why take away, like, the one thing that's making him happy? Especially if you know, like, he was so unhappy before. And like, just feel like, hey, maybe you guys only see each other, like, once a week. Or... Yeah, some limits. Because yeah. he's probably more distracted trying to figure out how to see Nick. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's like, this he is, like, not was. the solution. And now he's, like, resentful at, like, this whole thing. Like, something where you could have supported and helped, you decided to, like, make harder. I don't understand that. So that was bizarre and not, like I said, it just kind of exists for some conflict. It's not some big, huge thing. Another major difference is that Ben plays a lot more of a role Mm, in Nick and Charlie's story in Paris than, I don't even think he's in the book I was trying to figure out, because then I got confused. There is like a certain scene where Harry like apologizes for what he did. And Charlie is basically like, that's great, but like, we're not friends. I don't. Yeah, in the book and the show. But it, but then like that scene, I feel like they take how big the scene was in the book with Harry and then like give it to Ben in the show. They did both. Well, at the there's like a party scene where Harry apologizes and Charlie basically like slams the door in his face. Um, mm-hmm. It has like a big moment. And then there's a separate scene where Ben has been like basically bugging charlie at the eiffel tower he like tells him he wants him back he's like messaging him and then he eventually apologizes um in front of nick apologizes to charlie and what i really liked about this show and the book is i feel like it would be tempting to like portray some these teenagers harry and ben saying they're sorry being like oh i was in ben's case an asshole and in harry's case super homophobic and like i've learned from my mistakes I'm so sorry. Can we be good now? It would be like really easy to make Nick and Charlie be like, yeah, thanks for the apology. That's, I appreciate that. We're good. But I like that in both of the cases, they're like, oh, well, that's pretty much like the bare fucking minimum. So no, like, thank you for the apology, but that doesn't change anything about like our dynamic. And so Charlie like tells Ben, you know, like you kissed me without my consent and it was not cool and I don't forgive you so like thanks for glad that you're having this like come to Jesus moment but like that doesn't really affect me basically yeah exactly I really like that it seems like maybe like the world or just things people are trying to put out like hold more accountability for certain things because I feel like in the past it would have been really normal to be like that's all you needed was an apology and now yeah everything needs to be better or you're the one in the wrong now some things like shouldn't even need to be apologized for because they never should have happened. So you don't have to then go and like pretend they didn't happen. Like once it's done, it's kind of done. But the scene with Ben I thought was sad in the way that like, so it was at L was like doing that art show. So like that rainbow road like led mm-hmm. him back to the art show where there was like a lot of people in the queer community. So like he had the opportunity, it kind of seemed like he was thinking like either you go forward and like you do try to make more friends in this community and learn and accept yourself 
but then he chose to turn his back and he walked away from it all. And so it seems like his struggle is still, like, he's still not getting it. And the Rainbow Road, like, goes, reaches for his toes, basically. He yeah, like, kind of like a in. wave. It was mm-hmm. really interesting. I really, I love how they incorporate, like, her art style in with, like, the live action show. Another character that actually plays a role in the show that's not really in the book is Nick's dad. His mm-hmm. French deadbeat dad. Who, <laughs> this French asshole. He's still, like, not being super responsive to Nick's messages. It's so him, like, meeting with him is not some big, like, wow, take a bow moment because he is hard to get a hold of. And Nick really has to make that happen. Yeah, Nick has to, like, sneak out of the school trip to see mm-hmm. him for, like, 20 minutes instead of the dad should meet him where he's at, not the other way around. And not, like, take a phone call in the middle. Oh, my God. What could be that important? His work. Duh. Uh. <laughs> but he brings Nick brings Charlie, so they're both there. So it's like a chance for Charlie without Nick having to say anything for Charlie to see his dynamic with his dad, which is clearly not great. They clearly just don't know each other at all. Like, and his dad hasn't tried to. Um, And the dad shows up. So after Paris, unlike the book, there's some like post Paris stuff in the show. And part of that is a dinner with Charlie, his whole family, including Tori. And then Nick and his shitty brother david and both of his parents so his dad is like in town and um nick is like wants to tell his dad that he's by and come out but he's taking his time and he's not sure and then david is just basically forces him to by making so many comments that tori is about to deck him I know, Tori is, like, next to him being, like, I will literally kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, whispering, like, just horrible things at him. He's being so, to be that rude in general, bad. To do that in front of so many strangers is such a bizarre. um, Yeah, it's really insane. But there are people like that who just, like, need everyone to know what they know. And, like, I'm sure he thought he was, like, being subtle. He's being insane. And so Nick is basically like, he comes out and is like, you don't have any power over me anymore. I'm just going to tell my dad. And also, dad, you don't have power over me either. You've never taken the time to know me. So if you don't approve of me being bi, like, I basically don't care. Um, That was so uncomfy. Mm -hmm. And it's in front of all of these people. So David really made it a public, it should have just been between Nick and his dad. I can't remember exactly. He's like somewhat supportive, but you can tell he's not ever going to be the dad that Nick wants him to be. He like could barely even remember Charlie's name when he first like walked into the house. Yeah. Which was like, oh my God. Like you've only met one of his friends in the last how many years? His whole life. Ridiculous. I liked the, the way that the show put together like both of these people in Nick's life, his dad and David, are really bad in their own ways like david is so like blatantly bad and homophobic and then his dad is just like by being passive like david's actively bad and then his dad is passively bad and both of them just he doesn't need to give any thought or care to their like approval or thoughts on him and his sexuality because they both just don't really belong in his life if they're not gonna show up exactly I want a backstory on how his mom and his dad met and then mm-hmm. had two children. 
what was happening what about because his mom's so nice and the dad like really just seems like not charming like he wasn't even I think I would have had an easier time understanding if he was like overly charming with like Charlie's parents or something or it's like you can kind of see like oh he's a man who like knows how to turn it on Mm -hmm. and like seem like some great person when they're not but like I don't even remember him like interacting with them really I was just confused how this bland, rude man (laughs) made this nice, lovely mom fall in love with him. I know. And I wonder how long, like when they split. The boys are anywhere from like, it seemed like one to like three years. Mm -hmm. If they're, if they're both still in school. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll get a spinoff one day. Alice is like out of 12 other characters to (laughs) spinoff. It's like, okay, I guess. The only other difference between these two in the show is that they go to prom. But instead of it, I feel like it also would have been really easy for the show to make prom this like huge deal. Like Nick comes out on Instagram just before and then they go to prom together as dates. I feel like other media would be like, these two are now voted prom king and everyone is rallying behind them. And it's like a huge, but they just like go to prom. It's like an okay night. And they kind of, I think they like leave at some point just to hang out together because they're kind of like, eh. Darcy has all her issues oh yeah like all the friends leave i can't really remember does darcy come to their door and then they call everyone and they're like she's here i'm gonna get into darcy and tara next then so we can like what we're doing right now just stumbling through i was going for ellen tao but they can take a break so in the last episode the last episode the last season um darcy and tara are like the manic pixie dream couple like there's like nothing bad that everything's great about them they're so happy so perfect this season was like the first time we got to see any sort of problem which i liked because they seemed too good to be true or like real in the beginning before paris when they're at school still i'm gonna fuck up their names i get they're both like just two syllable names i can't do it Tara darcy is the blonde drops the l word to darcy um she says that she loves her by accident and um she's like oh uh like in a friend way and darcy is like all too willing to like take that excuse and like forget that that ever happened so tara starts feeling really stressed and sad about darcy's like complete silence and ignoring of her saying that she loves her so she like tries to bring it up sometimes in paris and she tries to like get a conversation going and darcy will do anything crack any joke, go talk to any other person to avoid that conversation. Yeah. I so. I was not Darcy's number one fan. But Darcy, as we will find out, is having a really hard time in a way that none of the other queer kids on the show are having. So basically, we find out. So when they're in Paris, Tara like confronts Darcy, not just about not talking about her saying she loves her, but also just in general seeming to be hiding something. And we find out later as viewers, when they get back from Paris, that Darcy has a really shitty home life and her mom, there's like a scene that's mostly like muted and we're not hearing very much of it, but we're like watching Darcy get yelled at by her mom for wanting to wear a suit to prom and her mom calling her a bunch of names, just being generally shitty. It's clear that her mom doesn't know that she's gay and dating Tara. That's clearly a secret. And she, it's like bad enough that she leaves the house and it, it's clear that she's done this multiple times. This is like a habit of her like packing a bag quickly and just 
leaving when the mom is being like this. And so she like spends the night in a park all by herself. And the next day is prom and she is just completely MIA and not replying to anyone's messages, especially Tara's. And yeah, I don't, this is back to where we were talking. I don't remember how she reunites with all of them. Like what I gets them all together. I think what happens is Tara's finally goes up to all the friends at prom and is like, do you guys know where Darcy is? Like, I haven't heard from her all day. Oh, and then Tara goes to Darcy's house. Yeah. Knocks on and the, the door. mom is like, I don't care where she is. Yeah, the mom is horrid. Yeah. And so Darcy And, like, sees. does not know who Tara is. And Tara's so cute and polite and, like, clearly try like, oh, this is my girlfriend's mom at first. But then there's, like, this shift of, like, oh, she clearly doesn't know about me and she doesn't care about Darcy. And then I think walking away from that conversation, Tara gets a call from, like, the friends and is like, we have her. She She's here. Like, come to okay. Charlie's house. Got it. But so, I, so I think maybe that's why we're confused. Maybe we never see how Darcy reconnects. Yeah. And that's why we don't remember. I think or we're the, just forgetting. It was eight episodes, so we might have yeah. forgotten. But <laughs> the point being that, like, by the end, whether – uh, Darcy wants to like keep all these secrets or not she's sort of being forced to get vulnerable with everybody and sort of share what's been going on so her and Darcy seem to be heading toward where Charlie and Nick are in terms of like telling each other the hard stuff yeah they're kind of back on track okay Ellen Tao our other couple they as a refresher from last time are close friends who both like each other and everyone knows it, but they won't do anything about it because they're afraid of ruining their friendship and just like generally uncertain how the other feels. They're flirting, just they pick up right where they left off. And for like the second time on the show this season, they have another almost kiss, which happened last season too. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Tao like awkwardly ends it. And Elle, basically, she tells Darcy and Tara that she just needs to try to get over him. She's just so sad. And, like, sort of feels like she's putting herself out there and he's just, like, not biting. Yeah, but also, like, is she? No, I mean, she went for yeah. a kiss a couple times and he went just I guess that's true and, like, you do know when someone's trying to kiss you. But, like, she could have also been like, I really like you. Well, she doesn't do that. Instead, she completely blows him off. She blows him off so hard. Oh, it was she so sad. She, like, decides, which makes sense, if she wants to get over him, they really can't be friends if she's going to, like, protect her little heart. So yeah. she has been, she's, like, in the works of getting accepted to this art school, and she goes to, I don't know, like, a, a student's day, and she meets some other aspiring students. And one of them is a girl named Naomi, and they bond. They both seemingly are the only out trans girls at their schools, their separate schools. So they, like, bond over how hard that's been and how much they both want to go to this art school where everyone is more accepting than where they're currently at. So they're like fast friends hit it off. They're like posting on Instagram and Tao is like, oh my God, like she's moving on, making friends, making this new life at this art school. Yeah, which was kind of his biggest fear. And so then his mom, who Haley's favorite character, one of, her. has a conversation with him a little heart to heart about this, I don't know if we know is the case in the book, but in the show, um, Tao's dad has passed away. And so the mom talks about how hard it was to lose 
like the love of her life and how basically Tao needs to fight for L. That's sort of what gives him the confidence to do that. Yeah. His and mom. Yeah, his mom is like loves Al. Mm-hmm. She's always like, She is the sweetest. How is she? And the most perfect person. Mm-hmm. She's so all for cute. this. Yeah, she is Doesn't like she, when ready she for them to be married. When they do eventually get together, she is so excited. She like picks him up when she's hugging him or or he picks her up. I'm not sure. Yeah. But there's a moment <laughs> where they I have know, an airborne hug. She was like, I need to go tell all your aunts and uncles. So like <laughs> she's been like patiently waiting. Like the whole mm-hmm. family has been patiently waiting for this, which is very cute that there's like a whole family that's so supportive of him. Yeah. So it doesn't it goes a little rocky at first. He's like, okay, I'm going to like plan this epic day. It's going to be everything Elle's ever wanted. I'm going to take her to see this movie that I hate that she loves. I'm going to cut my hair because that's what girls want. And my haircut does look good though. It looks good, but she I she was like, I hope you didn't do that for me. And he totally did. He like liked how he looked before, but he was just trying to impress her. But he asked her out with flowers and she's like so excited. But then they go on this date and he is being so it's so like clear that this is like Tao on a date, not Tao hanging out with his friend. And he's just being very weird and it ends quite badly and it's clear they're not going to do it again because she's kind of like, who the hell are you? Because you're not, you're not Tao. Yeah. He kind of like accidentally hurts her feelings. He flubs it. Because yeah. like nobody is- wants to sit through a movie where like the other person, like it'd be different if he was like, let me try to learn why you like it so much. But instead it was like, I watched it for you. I fucking hate that movie. That movie is so shit, but I did it for you. It's like, that's not fun. I was nobody hoping. Nobody wants that. I get that the the show needs conflict but I was hoping that she would understand or like give him a do-over like I know you're really nervous and this is really weird and I it's so yeah, clear why he's acting that to way. each other the same way like the other characters do they're just like okay we're never doing that again um then they go to Paris they end up both wanting to go to the same museum so all the friends are like yeah you go together they decide to be friends at least um, but then they go to the Louvre a couple days later and they kiss at the Louvre. They kiss again and there's like an ankle pop Princess Diaries moment. Ah, so cute. So they're not like officially official, but they're at least they're at least kissing. There's some kissing at the hotel. They go back home and Elle is sort of she has a showcase um, for this art school and she knows that she's been accepted and some other people know, but she's like lying to Tao. Because she's worried it's going to, like, yeah. wreck him. But I, the, the classic miscommunication couple. Yes. I liked, though, so last season, Tao was the last to know about Charlie and Nick, and he was really upset that he had been left in the dark until Charlie, like, explained why he had done that. And I felt like Tao was more understanding this time of, like, he wasn't pissed off at Elle for keeping a secret. He was like, I get why you did that. I am fully supportive i'm sad of course but like when he does find out he's supportive of her and so he learned from last season basically how to react when someone is afraid to tell you something yeah and when someone's telling you something good news like it's good news for them Mm -hmm. and he asks l to be his girlfriend and that is where they wrap up the season she is still going i'm unclear on like how far the art school is because everyone went to the showcase and nothing is that far and the United Kingdom. The whole place is small. Nothing is more than like six hours away at most. And that so would be like two different sides of, of the country. Long distance, sort of. 
Um, I think it, it seems like maybe like an hour or two train ride. Our next character, we've got um, Isaac stuff. Isaac, basically, Isaac is our book-loving king who is just... I have a list I'll get into at the end of my Isaac summary of everything he reads. So just in case anyone wanted recommendations. There was an article on um, them, the website, and they broke down every book. Isaac is like, clearly, he has a lot of questions about his friends' relationships and sort of like how they knew they were attracted to each other and like how they sort of made that jump. And he seems uncertain that that's something that he is able to do or has ever felt basically is like do you remember the name of the guy that he's flirting with or is flirting with him it's the only other out kid at the school besides charlie and i can't I remember think it's a jay okay so jay is yeah. um <laughs> jay, <laughs> jay is really into isaac and We've become gossip girl it's clear that isaac is like um uncomfortable because he's not sure how he feels about this attention but he's sort of like testing out i think his sexuality or how if he wants to be in a relationship at all with Mm -hmm. jay because i think he's like okay if not jay then like who like because i've never felt this before so this might be like if not him i don't know so they have some like flirty conversations and then jay kisses him um and isaac sort of like runs away after that and cries and is just reading a book on the balcony alone while everyone's at like a party he's just very upset and all his friends are like pushing him to like be with jay or like asking like how it's going and being very like i don't know trying to get them together and he's pretty upset about that it's not until the showcase when they've left paris that he is like walking around the showcase and talks to an artist who identifies as asexual and aromantic and sort of puts words to all of the feelings that Isaac has felt and not only like puts words to them but is like very happy and comfortable with himself it's kind of like the moment when Nick sees Darcy and Tara together at the party and is like oh that's what could be yeah these people are out and so Isaac has the same like oh and he doesn't at the end of the season, he hasn't told anybody this, but he but he <laughs> grabs a book on asexuality called Ace. He's, I think, planning to figure more out, and then maybe next season we'll see some more of him telling his friends to fuck off when they keep bugging him. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think his friends, like, like you just don't even realize you're mm-hmm. doing certain things. Like, some things are so like ingrained in the way we communicate with people. So hopefully he'll be able to like figure out more about himself and then be more open with all his friends too. Yeah. I like the, I said last time that the only book I've read of Alice's is Loveless, which is about a character who's asexual. And I feel like Isaac doesn't exist in the Heartstopper comic books. But I feel like Isaac is like portraying that Loveless character. He even reads Loveless at one point, which, as far as I could tell, was the only Alice cameo. I didn't see them physically, but their book is in there because he's reading it. The other books he reads are Shout if you um, know any of these or want to recommend, but I love this part Ace of Spades by. Oh, I have seen that one. um, We Are Okay by Nina LaCour, which oh, I want to read that on my list. It's the cover is so amazing. Anything by Nina is like 10 out of 10. Oh, good um, to know. 
the importance of being earnest, birthday, loveless, like I said, crush, boy erased, all boys aren't blue, we have always been here, summer bird blue, and then ace, which, like I said, is the last book he picks up. Doesn't he read Emily Henry at some point? Um, Are these just the... um... Maybe. This was a list I found online, so... It's quite possible. He buys a lot at a store, too. I'm not sure how many of these he's, like, physically reading or how much he's, like, holding on to. I don't know. Okay. Our last characters. Imogen and Ah, Ben. My fave. Your fave and your... Your fave and probably not fave. Nick comes down to Imogen in, like, the first episode, and she in response is... She's, like, accepting and great about it, and then she goes, I'm really into Ben. And he's like, oh, fuck, because he knows how Ben treated Charlie and he also knows that while Ben was hooking up with Charlie he was dating somebody else who clearly didn't know about Charlie so yeah, just Ben knew all like around your scale it's like not his place to out Ben either. yeah so he doesn't say anything yeah he's like in this weird spot where he's like doesn't think Ben is going to be good to Imogen but he's also like I can't tell her why I can just be like I don't really like that guy which he does and say then he does say and she's not she's like well, why? <laughs> he, like, can't say. And she's like, okay, well, shut up then. They go to Paris. Imogen and Ben are on that trip. And um, he is so caught up in Charlie stuff, like I mentioned earlier, that he's completely ignoring Imogen. So she publicly dumps him at a dinner. Oh, my and God. He it was brutal. Her, he called her a bitch in front of everybody. It was, like, the most drama that the show had. Very it nice. was so sad for her. And then she's just confused. She clearly can feel that something is off but she doesn't know what's going on she's missing like a lot of information but it seemed like that was like the end of Imogen's quote-unquote love story which was just that crash and burn but then there's Darcy and Tara have a friend named Sahar who is a little bit in the book too and they go to the art showcase and after Paris and Sahar is there and Imogen makes a comment about like um, oh, I'm finally, like, not the only straight person in the group. And Sahara's like, excuse me, I'm bi. Thanks for assuming. <laughs> She's, like, Imogen is kind of looks embarrassed. And then we, like, jump to prom where Sahar is randomly, like, a rock star. She's yeah. like, on stage with an instrument, with a band. She's, like, playing. And we just get this, like, one image of Imogen, like, like longingly looking at her playing. Yeah, she's kind of got googly eyes. And then it that's it. So uh, season three seems to be where we're going to see what's happening. But the last, actually, I lied saying that was it. There's a love story between, it's in the book too, two little teachers. I was hoping you'd mention them. Who have a sweet story where basically there's like, uh, I again, shocking no one. I don't know their names. because I, I have it. It's Thank Mr. You. Farouk and Mr. Ajayi. Mr. Farouk is the strict guy yeah he's the one who yells quiet all the time okay so mr farouk is like he's a hard ass basically so they're both like paris trip chaperones and they're like um good cop bad cop basically they're very different from each other they don't seem to be butting heads but like they're just not very similar getting along in any sort of i don't know meaningful way but then there's like this one night where all the all of the main characters are like running around the hotel throwing a party I believe mm-hmm. for Darcy, no, for T- Tara, and then <laughs> Mister. I forgot his name. Who? Not Farouk. Who's? What's the other Mr. name? Mister Ajayi. Mister Ajayi says after they send Nick and Charlie to their to like go back to their rooms, he's like, maybe we should have like 
left them alone. Like it makes a comment about how they're clearly like a couple and like enjoying their, their time together. And he's like, you know, I've been in their shoes. I've been like, he just basically tells Mr. Farouk that he's gay. And Mr. Farouk is like, well, when you're like me and you're, you don't realize you're gay or come out until you're like in your mid twenties, like you don't like have those kind of experiences. So then they clearly didn't know this about each other before and have this sort of moment of understanding between each other and then Darcy barfs all over their bed. I one can't of their beds. With and so that they share a bed in but Paris. That's all nice and lovely. I'm glad they did whatever it was they did in their shared bed. But right next to a bed full of vomit? Are you kidding me? Do you think they didn't get it cleaned? That's no. what was implied. Cause oh, because he was then, like, oh, I should go, go downstairs and like get someone to fix this. And then he was like, you don't have to. <laughs> So I was like, I would have been like, I love that idea. I do have to, but let's (laughs) stick with your idea. (laughs) That's like, let's do both. And then they, we don't really hear anything else from those two until prom comes. Mr. Farouk gets invited to be a chaperone, even though none are really needed. It's just like a ploy so they can like, oh yeah, together. Their night in Paris comes up, and I think Mr. Farouk says something about he's clearly like embarrassed or makes it sound like a mistake. And then, oh my God, Mr. Ajayi, any of them written down? He's like, oh, well, I was going to say like we should do it again, but I would take you to dinner first or something. You just basically ask them out. And that is the end of that with the two of them, but I'm sure it was pretty. It was like exactly like that in the book. I really like them. I love. I wasn't the sure they plot. would stick them in because I I didn't know how many side plots we were gonna have, but there was a lot, as demonstrated by how long that took me to do. I know. I think with so that's what's funny about these is like with the books, it's very Charlie Nick. We got like a few. Of, we get like Tao and L, and then we got like the two teachers, but there really isn't anything about like Tara and Darcy. There's not that much about they just like exist. Um, elite Alid, who is like Isaac. They're just like very and friends, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. fun in the show to have like it's like the director's cut or whatever. Yeah. Version just, like getting way yeah. out. Yeah. So I have a few show facts. Good, because I really slacked on the book one. <laughs> so mine are all just kind of silly, but they're fun fun facts. So the T on the True Him Blazers, which I think is like the boys' school, it shifts seasonally. So depending on what season it is, their tea will be like in a little winter wonderland or have spring what? flowers. Yeah. Isn't oh, I thought you meant like show seasons, but you mean like seasons of the year. That's yeah, so, so then you kind of know, like, if you look at the tea on their blazer, you'll know where we are in the school year. Did you figure that out or you saw it online? How did you I do that? see everything online. Nothing has ever been figured out oh. with my own oh, brain. <laughs> there was something last time that you figured out, I think about Heart Supper. I can't remember what it was, but you were like, pat on the back, that was me. So I just had to ask. Interesting. I'll have to go back and look at those and see which one it was because these were all given to me by other sources. That's really cute. I got to go and look at that. Yeah, these are all kind of cute so season one's color palette was blue and yellow but season two's is pink and pistachio so like any of the little animations or if there was like a color hue like kind of washed over the scene they had different color vibes which reminds me of 
Twilight, all the movies are different colors. Oh, true. Like, Twilight is all blue, blue. and New Moon is, like, brown and golds. And then I feel like Eclipse is, like, reds and, like, silvery. Yeah. I don't know what the last ones are. Just chaos. Bloody. Yeah. Bloody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For production, they did film a lot of it in Paris. But for anything interior, like, all the hotel stuff, they were back in England. Which I always think is so... I, I don't know why I get surprised when actors are acting. But anytime things like that happen, I'm like, that's so amazing. They said they were in Paris and they weren't. <laughs> they were how many hours away? Oh my God. Yeah. Like <laughs> three, I think. <laughs> and then my favorite fun fact of them all is that Nick and Charlie are wearing their book cover outfits while they're exploring Paris. It's like exactly the same outfit. I didn't what? even realize. I'll show you my book cover so you can be reminded. They're wearing oh. that. Isn't that so cute? How cute. I really like it. This is what happens when you let an author have this much control over a show. Uh, Teaches wonderful things, yeah. And to think I didn't notice any of those things. It's wasted on me. I know. So I'm glad we have the fun facts. Yeah. Those are great facts. You really uh, stepped it up when I couldn't find a, a single one. So what do you think? Show or book? I've been on the roll, but I'm going to say show. Because... I just can't get enough of all the side plots. And so going back over the book, it's like there's stuff missing now for me. I'm on a similar vibe. I'm maybe not fully show, but they're like neck and neck in my brain and like merging into one thing. Like I feel like you can't have one without the other now. But the show, I mean, the book probably, if expanded to be way longer, would include, because we know it came from Alice's brain. So they're kind of like exactly they're the same thing but that's why i i would have a hard time saying book and then losing my new favorite person imogen and the and and the mom mom. yeah Yeah, two people so i guess i'm only slightly slightly show because i do love the art of the book i i like at least that they incorporated into the show so we get some of that if anyone has eagle ears and noticed we did not last time say what we liked better but we both liked the book, just to clarify. Oh, yeah. Along for the Ride was book on both sides. I agree. I think that movie needs the book. As, like, context. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we got so excited we forgot. So, putting that out there now. Anyway, what are you reading right now? So, you've caught me in a lull, because I just finished my book this morning, and I wanted to start Heartstopper 4. Because I Ooh. own it now, but then I thought that would really jumble me <laughs> for this. Oh. So I'll just tell you what I just finished, which was Practice Makes Perfect by Sarah Adams. And I started it Friday night and just finished it this morning. Wait. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I get really confused on when Fridays are because my Friday is a Sunday based on how I work. So I think I started it on Sunday night and I finished it this morning, which is not Sunday. It is Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) But my brain just got really jumbled. So I read it really quick. quick. Long story short, I read it quick. It was very cute and funny and good. And I loved every part of it. And I recommend it to anyone romance-y stuff. Rave review. Mm -hmm. I just finished Heidi because I reread that book every year. Um, and I collect old, very 
gorgeous little editions of it. So I'm oh, trying to like so every pretty. year read a new edition. So this year, and I always do it around the, well, this is, I don't always, this is the first anniversary of my grandma's passing, but she um, was the reason I picked up Heidi. And she reminds me of Heidi in a lot of ways, her like personality. So I like picked it up this month for her. And I, the copy this time was from, I think, 1918. And it's so old that the pictures, so it's all, you know, regular, each page you turn, words. And then all of a sudden there will be like (laughs) a piece of construction paper that is like, doesn't match the rest of the pages. And there is a glued on illustration that if I, if I wanted to rip it off, I could. Oh, and they're all gotta send pictures, and we can very explain cute. to people. They're all in there, so somehow it made it a hundred years almost. How crazy! No. More definitely, I forgot what year it was. <laughs> made it a hundred and plus years, and still has all the pictures in it. So it was fun. I like know the story like the back of my hand, but getting to like see it in a new copy makes it like a fun time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds really good. I should borrow one of your newer, less fragile copies. I've never yes, read any Heidi. Have some. It's pretty cute. I have a lot of nostalgia. I don't know how I would feel about it coming to a brand new. It's, but oh, I guess it's more kids, but it is mm-hmm. a movie. It is a nuts movie with Shirley Temple. There's a I few love movies. Shirley Temple. There's also, a, um, I think Miyazaki did a, a whole series, a Heidi oh. series, which is, has never been dubbed, so I have to wait till I can watch it and read subtitles which i can't do well like that takes a little more or time you just need to learn the language whichever <laughs> one happens first i'm glad i just finished that because i'm excited to pick up our next thing and it's a little lengthy so i'm gonna need a little bit of time because we are reading red white and royal blue which yes, another we've learned is like maybe not the most ya but we make the rules so <laughs> yeah it's like ya adjacent I think it was like 19 or 20, yeah. Yeah, so it's probably new adult. It's definitely, like, spicier than it wouldn't be on a YA shelf, but we think you can handle it. Yeah. And, and we're excited the movie's new. The book is by Casey McQuiston, and the movie is out on Prime? Uh, Yes, on Prime. Okay, it's, like, pretty new so yeah it just came out on the 22nd i think so we've got a quick turnaround for you um which we may or may not be regretting in this moment but (laughs) we're gonna make it happen so if you want to read along watch along um you can follow us at movies better yeah right which guess what it's spelled just like the title wherever you're listening to this yes exactly like that (laughs) i don't want to spell it today (laughs) copy and pasted it we're Uh, officially off the job (laughs) if you want to buy any of the books we talked about um whether for the show or like our on our our personal reading list um our bookshop is bookshop.org slash shop slash movies better yet right so and proceeds go to indie bookstores so it's better than shopping on amazon please well thank you for listening guys We will catch you in two weeks. I was just thinking about this book gives me my date with the president's daughter vibes, which is not related at all to the book, but I feel like (laughs) I might watch that as well, just as like some supplemental viewing. So if anyone wants to join me in that throwback, I love that as well. Yes, that's a great, great side note.
We will see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Can't wait. Bye.